Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Thursday, September 1st, and this is People Every Day. Hello out there. September is here and the pumpkin spice is in the air. (laughs) We've got another jam-packed show with some important sports talk. Make that Serena talk. She is the GOAT, you guys. Incredible win yesterday. And we've also got some recommendations for easy, healthy back-to-school lunches from actress and mega mom influencer Jenny Mullen. Ooh, and this show has some dog love in it, too. It's a mixed bag over here today. But first, let's get into what's buzzing around in the news out there. There is some good news for Real Housewives of Beverly Hills star Erica Girardi concerning her ongoing legal battles. A tentative court ruling suggests the Bravo star had, quote, no knowledge of alleged financial crimes by her estranged husband, Tom Girardi. The court concluded that plaintiffs suing Girardi for aiding and abetting her estranged husband in alleged fraud failed to prove the Housewives star had any knowledge of the alleged crimes. Documents obtained by people through Erica's lawyer state that, quote, no evidence exists to support an aiding and abetting claim against Miss Girardi, which reinforces the propriety of summary judgment. The ruling is tentative, and a final status conference for Erica's judgment is scheduled for tomorrow. People reached out to the plaintiff's lawyer for comment on the tentative ruling, but received no response. Now, will this ruling stop victims from laying claim to Erica's jewelry collection? That's to be seen. It appears the legal woes for her estranged husband, Tom Girardi, are heating up. So get this. Yesterday, the LA Times reported on a story involving Tom Girardi wiring money to and having an affair with a California State Appeals Court Justice. Back in 2015, Trisha Bigelow, who was then a presiding justice of a state appeals court in downtown Los Angeles, bought a weekend home in Santa Monica. Bigelow allegedly wanted to give the home a luxurious renovation, and it seems cancer victims, represented by Tom Girardi, may have unwittingly helped foot some of those bills. According to financial records filed in a state court lawsuit, Tom Girardi allegedly wired Bigelow $300,000 in the week she closed on the Ocean Avenue home. The LA Times reported that it was during this time that Bigelow and Girardi were having their alleged affair. The money that was sent to Bigelow reportedly came from a trust account that held settlement money for the law firm Girardi Keys. The funds in the account were apparently owed to cancer victims and other victims of a polluted Inland Empire community. Girardi continues to face legal issues over the alleged mishandling of funds for his clients, and it appears this story is yet another wrinkle in the defense for the disgraced lawyer. Now, Bigelow's lawyer claimed in emails that Tom Girardi, quote, never shared anything with her regarding the source of any gifts. And when further pressed by the LA Times, Trisha Bigelow's attorney said all of the gifts she ever received from Girardi were returned. I mean, wow. We've been covering this story for most of the year now, and it seems like every few weeks there's another layer to this. We will, of course, keep you posted as it continues to develop. 
onto the world of real estate. Jason Oppenheim has made a career out of selling clients their forever homes. And now the Selling Sunset star revealed he's finally open to having a forever someone in his home. In an exclusive interview with People, Oppenheim revealed just how serious his relationship is with his 25-year-old Paris-based model girlfriend, Mary Lou Nurk. While he's been transparent about previously not wanting kids, Oppenheim is intrigued by the idea of one day getting married. He told us, quote, I'm more open to being a husband than I am a father right now. I like the idea that there's no pressure or a thought about having to have a child with Lou. So it just makes it easy for us. This revelation is, of course, coming months after his split from Girlfriend and Selling Sunset co-star Chriselle Staus, who made it clear to him she wanted kids and wanted them stat. As we know, Chriselle's moved on with partner G. Flip, and Nurk and Oppenheim were photographed a few weeks ago on vacation in Mykonos, Greece, where they were not afraid to show off how into each other they are in public spaces. But don't expect to see much of Nurk on the next season of Selling Sunset. I can't wait. Following his split from Chriselle Staus, Oppenheim says he He has, quote, no plans of filming another relationship. We will definitely be keeping an eye on what's next for this happy couple. And now, you guys, we have to get into the story that blew up last night and has become must-see and must-discuss. Serena Williams advanced to the next round of the U.S. Open. The legend lives on. The greatest of all time, Serena Williams, the tennis legend, is continuing to stun the crowd and the world at the U.S. Open, which we all knew she would. And with every match she plays, she reminds us why she will always be on top. Serena said she will be, quote, evolving away from tennis after this U.S. Open. But before she does, we need to take a look back at her storied career, as well as the games this week. Joining me now is Emmy Award-winning sports journalist and co-author of the book, Loving Sports When They Don't Love You Back, Kavitha Davidson. Hey, Kavitha, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Excited to talk, Serena. Absolutely. Well, well, let's talk about the latest match that Serena won yesterday. And I need you to put this in context because you've seen her play a lot. I have. This is my 16th straight U.S. Open. I'm a kid from New York, and this is my eighth straight U.S. Open as a professional sports writer. So I'm lucky to say that I've seen Serena more times than than I deserve to, frankly. I've been a fan of her since she burst onto the scene. And to watch her evolution, to watch what she has meant to this sport has been fantastic. Just frankly, nobody expected her to pull this win out. She was playing the second ranked player in the world, but also, you know, had been looking a little bit shaky. Even in that first round win that I did see in person, Serena's been battling injuries. Obviously, you know, she's up there in age. She's only played six matches this entire year, which in tennis is a little bit unheard of to be able to come back on a Grand Slam stage and play at the level that she did yesterday. But that's that's Serena. She's the best. And there are people there who are just flocking to this stadium to see her now. I mean, Zendaya, Hugh Jackman, Dionne Warwick. Gladys Knight was their opening night. It was an amazing moment, actually. Every Black woman and every woman of color, when they showed Gladys Knight on that screen, stood up in a, in a way that you don't really see a lot at Ash Stadium. Right? Yes. Take me more. Take me more into just the star-studded scene that has been these games. It's electric. I have never heard Ash that loud 
in my entire life. I've never seen as many people on the grounds, people who bought a grounds pass not to watch her live, but to be able to just watch her on the screen right outside of Ash. I definitely saw people there who have probably never been to a live tennis match before, but that's what Serena has done, right? Like she's yeah. she's opened this sport up to people and not just people of color, uh, not just women, but just people who never were interested in it or just didn't think that this sport was for them. Well, I know the New York Times interviewed a couple of people on the ground. And one woman that they talked to said, I never thought that as a black woman, I would be interested in tennis, let alone watching somebody who looked like me be celebrated as the greatest of all time in tennis. She's won 23 Grand Slams. What are some of the other just really important icon-making moments that come out of her stats? So obviously her first U.S. Open is is the, the clip that everybody's seen when she's, you know, 17 years old and she's she's wearing the beads. Don't discount the iconography of a, of a young Black kid with, with beads in her her hair winning on a Grand Slam stage, right? I think back to some of the negative things as well. She and Venus played Indian Wells in California and was booed by the crowd. And that was probably the most ugly and most prominent instance of racism that the two of them faced. And they didn't play that tournament again for another 20 years. And these are two kids from California. Yeah. When she was going for the calendar slam, she's won two Serena slams, which means that she's won every tournament, every Grand Slam, not in a calendar year, but consecutively. So the calendar slam is when you win every Grand Slam in a calendar year. And in 2015, she won the first three. And unfortunately, she got ousted in the U.S. Open in the semis. And I I think that that was the first time being there live that I noticed in person the shift of everybody rooting for her. She said yesterday she's played her entire career with an X on her back. At some point, that X, that target shifted from mostly racism to she is the best in the world and the best that has ever played the sport. She's going for number 24, which would have been the all-time record, the 24th slam. And so she became the person that everybody needed to beat. And yesterday, what I think we saw was she knows she has absolutely nothing left to prove. She doesn't need 24 to be considered the greatest of all time, but she was playing lighter. You could see like the the burden on her shoulders was lighter. Well, is that the kind of energy that she's bringing into doubles? A lot of people are saying, why do doubles? I don't know if either Serena or Venus expected her to get this far. Serena will always tell you she always expects to win. And I fully believe that. Realistically, those of us who are both fans, but also have to be analysts as our as our jobs, will tell you that it she defied the odds to get to this point. I'm not sure if it is the best thing for her singles matches for her to be playing this doubles match with Venus. At the same time, one last time to see them play together. They haven't played together in four years. They have won 14 titles and two Olympics together. And obviously, Serena is the greatest of all time. But what the two of them have done together, and Venus in particular, being the face of with Billie Jean King of the fight for equal pay, yeah. like both of these women have had a, an indelible legacy on this sport. Oh my goodness. I cannot believe this is it. As a sports writer, especially, you question what is this sport going to look like post-Serena? You know, and Tiger Woods was in was in the crowd yesterday. Yesterday. And for years, we've been thinking, what does golf look like post-Tiger? And obviously with Serena, we have a generation of incredibly talented women, incredibly talented American women, and incredibly talented Black American women. And that is also part of Serena's legacy. But it will be sad 
when it is finally over. But she's got a next chapter and so does tennis. Just amazing. And I'm so glad you were here to break this all down with me, Kavitha. Thank you so much for stopping by. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Back to School season is in full swing. And coming up, we're sitting down with actress and best-selling author Jenny Mullen. We talk about her new book, Dictator Lunches, where she opens up about meal battles with her little ones. I know a lot about that. <laughs> and shares tips and tricks to packing easy, healthy lunches that your kids will love. But first, I have to share this Doggy Parton story with you. <laughs> yes, you heard me. Doggy Parton. Country music legend Dolly Parton has a brand new line of apparel, accessories, and toys for dogs. Right after the break, we get into why Dolly is so excited to share this new brand with everyone out there working canine to five. You know what I mean? (laughs) Sorry, I had to do it. I couldn't pass that one up. We will be right back. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. We are back and it's time to talk dogs and Dolly. It has been more than 60 years since Dolly Parton released her first record, Puppy Love, and the music icon and pet lover is now debuting Doggy Parton, a line of dog apparel, accessories, toys, and more. In a news release, Parton said, my love for pets is stronger than ever. This inspired me to start my own line of Doggy Parton. The beloved singer-songwriter went on to say her line is complete with plenty of, quote, Dolly flair. The 20-plus items in the collection include lots of gingham wear, including an overalls dress, a western collared shirt, bandana, collar and leash set, and a harness, squeaky toys, and for those of you who want to take your dog full-on Dolly, a blonde bombshell wig. (laughs) Today is actually my favorite little dog's 10th birthday. Happy birthday, Clooney. He is our beloved salt and pepper Pekingese Bichon. You're just as handsome and debonair as your namesake. (laughs) Expect some new Doggy Parton toys coming your way soon. And in the immortal words of Dolly Parton... You know my next guest from blockbuster films like Crash and Crazy Stupid Love and mega-hit TV shows Girls and Chicago Fire. Not only is Jenny Mullen an actress, but also juggles being a best-selling author and mom of two with her husband, actor Jason Biggs. Just wow. Her book, City of Likes, is available now, and all I can say is it is a must-read. But with another school year beginning, her next book, Dictator Lunches, is another one to add to the list. Jenny shares the best way to take the stress out of packing lunches for your family and shares how to get your kids to try healthy foods. And I am all ears. This was dinner the other night in my house where my two-year-old did not want any part of her Brussels sprouts. It's just one piece of Brussels sprouts, Raimi. Yep, that's Raimi. And joining me now to unpack all of her secrets to all of that healthy lunch packing is Jenny Mullen herself. Hi, Jenny. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about dictator lunches. So take me into your your childhood lunch experience. And then how did that influence your decision of making your kids lunches? I think we all are a reaction to our own childhood. And as a kid, 
food equaled love for me, but I was a latchkey kid with two working parents who were single and at the office during the day and dating at night. And there wasn't anybody sending me to school with lunches. I was tasked with making my own lunches. And when I didn't, I would find myself in the dreaded lunch line. And then on more auspicious days, I might have some change in my pocket and be able to buy like a little Debbie nutty bar. But I longed for these lunches that I saw around me at the time, which were the PB&J with the crust cut off or the handwritten notes. And so I knew when I had kids, I mean, nutrition has always been a, played a big role in my life. And, and I knew that I didn't want kids that just ate chicken nuggets. I, I was you know, certain that I wasn't going to dumb down eating for my kids. But I also wanted to send them to school with these movable feasts that I wish that somebody had given me. You know, I'm not a chef. I'm not a great cook. I'm not a DIY artist. So I said to my husband, this doesn't need to be rocket science. I need to do a book that is truly just like a paint by numbers for packing different lunches. You bring up the healthy eating and like just even going into this interview, I was thinking about my lunch throughout high school, which was a bag of hot Cheetos, a king-size Snickers, and whatever red soda was available. But like, what do you do? What's your struggle with your kids in terms of the healthy eating debate? Well, it's all about consistency. You travel other places and you're seeing kids eating fried shrimp heads and rice and curries and all, you know, all of it. Why do why have we bought into this like idea in in America specifically where it's like I'm going to make myself a salad on a bed of greens and then I'm just going to like throw some nuggets at my kid. It's just like make it doesn't make sense. The more they see it, the less scary it is and the more apt they are to trying it. And I, you know, there have been things that my kids refuse to eat and I just double down on them and I just keep going. And it's like, for me, you know, you have to get your head around this idea that the win isn't in them eating it. The win is in them seeing it. So if you're okay with that and you're, and you can let go of, oh God, I failed tonight, then you, you you can go so much further. Literally, I'm like just pulling all this information so I can use it for my next dinner battle. But is there a point where you're like, okay, my kid really just doesn't like this thing? Oh, yeah. I make them like an almond butter on on like a yummy granola, whatever. And they're just like, no. And for a while, I would keep doing it over and over again. But eventually, I'm like, okay, I can, I can budge a little bit on certain things, you know? My other son hates blueberries. There's a war on blueberries. And that I won't accept. That I just keep working the blueberries back in. How in the world do you make time to read, let alone be an author? Like, where is this time? So when I'm in writing mode, I don't have time to read, for sure. I'm just like, uh, I, have to, I have to make a thousand words today. I have to do, you know, there needs to be a certain output to, for me to feel like I've accomplished my day. But when I'm not writing, like this last month was amazing because then I just got to bust through so many books and it was so fun to just be back in that role of reader. Got it, got it. Well, in between like making the lunches and reading and writing and all of that, when do you find time for rest and relaxation? Okay, so I just came off of that the book tour for City of Likes and I went away and I, I realized I didn't have any clue that I was distressed aside from the fact that my stomach was like up in knots every day and my eye was twitching nonstop. <laughs> but otherwise I was fine. I'm coming into this book tour thinking, I can't push myself like I've been pushing myself because I'm just going to bottom out. I need to prioritize my mental health. I can't just go, go, go. And I'm actually pulling back, honestly, on exercising so hard. 
sometimes you just need to listen to your body and give yourself a break, like chill out, do less. So that's where I'm at now. And then lastly, does Jason help with these lunches? He doesn't make the lunches, but he'll make a dinner and then I'll steal from it the next day. I mean, Jason is so hands-on as a parent, almost too hands-on. I always say that he's like the guy that like when I go scuba diving, he's the one like checking all my gear. He's like the buddy that never stops like futzing with you. So he's he's a great partner to have. He, he just, I keep him out of the lunch boxes. I'm like, these are mine. You can do everything else. Jenny, this has been so great. Everyone, be sure to pick up a copy of City of Likes today and get your copy of Dictator Lunches that's out September 13th. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me. All right, as we say goodbye to the dog days of summer, we have one last canine-related story for you. A few weeks ago, we shared with you that submissions were open for People's World's Cutest Rescue Dog Contest 2022. No, I didn't submit Clooney because it wouldn't even be fair for multiple reasons. (laughs) Well, we had thousands of submissions, and somehow our team was able to narrow it down to 10 finalists. We have pictures of these top 10 pooches up on our website now, and you can vote for pups right now you guys, it's impossible. I mean, there's Gordon and Coda and Abby, who looks like a very good girl in her therapy dog vest and sweet little Minkus in his bow tie. (laughs) Head over to people.com and check out these pups and their mugs now and vote for who you think should win World's Cutest Rescue Dog. Voting in September 28th, so get on it. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you for starting off your September with us. And I'll talk to you all again tomorrow with the latest on people every day. 